Thank you for joining us for another lesson from God's Word. Anytime you're in Huntsville, we hope you'll come be part of our worship. The West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence is located at 1519 Old Monrovia Road Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. We hope you'll enjoy this lesson brought to us by Glenn Colley. Scripture reading will be from Hebrews chapter 7, verses 1 through 4. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth of all, first being translated king of righteousness, and then also king of Salem, meaning king of peace, without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, remains a priest continually. Now consider how great this man was, to whom even the patriarch Abraham gave a tenth of the spoils. I want to spend the time that we have tonight for our sermon to discuss Melchizedek. This is, so this is kind of a character study. And I, um, I was on the phone with my father this afternoon and he said, what are you preaching tonight? And I said, I'm going to talk about Melchizedek. He said, we don't know much about him. <laughs> I said, that's right, and that's the point. And so uh, I have two Bibles up here. It doesn't indicate that I'm going to preach a long time, but I wanted to be able to quickly go back from the Old to the New Testament. This is, a, this is about Jesus, really. And Melchizedek is an illustration to help us understand something about Jesus. And, and this, this point that is made by the Hebrews writer is designed for the, the people who are in Judaism in the first century and they want to become Christians and they just struggle with this thing about the change of the law. Could it, could it be true that the Old Testament law to which they had clung for so long was now going to be ineffectual? It's going to be outdated, obsolete. And the answer was yes. In Romans chapter 7, Paul talks about it and says it's it's like a woman whose husband dies and she marries somebody else. And we've been married to that old law, but not anymore. And now Christ is our Redeemer and everything has to go by Christ. First John chapter 2, verse 1, my little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, not for ours only, but for the whole world, the sins of the whole world. Now, here's what we're going to do. I want to talk about atonement, then I'm going to sort of set the table for the, the, the book of Hebrews. We're going to jump over to Hebrews, so you need a Bible, and we're going to tie some passages together tonight and understand more about Melchizedek. Melchizedek. Atonement, in the religious sense, and I guess even generically, means to set right something that was made wrong between two parties, to set it right. It can, you can think of a synonym like appeasement. It means to fix what's not right between. And somebody wronged somebody else, and he, he wants to make that right. And so to pay for that, and, and in, in reference to Scripture, it means to, to renew the relationship that we had with God before we sinned. Wow, that's, a, that's what I want. Atonement. Now, 
I'm going to go to Leviticus chapter 16, so open your Bibles there, please. Leviticus chapter 16. The high priest, Moses had a brother named Aaron, with whom you're familiar. Aaron had, I think, four sons. The two of them, Nadab and Abihu, well, you remember about them, and they died. And then you have Eliezer. When Aaron is the first high priest, and then Eliezer. The tribe of Levi is selected for the priestly tribe. So they're going to be set apart in a number of different ways. The way that it works is that you have one high priest, Aaron, Eliezer, and then it was set up where, and I don't know of an explicit verse that says this, but this is how it was done. The firstborn son of the high priest succeeded his father. And so you have a series, a long series, of course, of high priests. What was his job? In reference to the tabernacle, it was to go and offer atonement for the sins of himself and for the sins of the people. Now I'm in Leviticus chapter 16 and verse 11. And Aaron shall bring the bull of the sin offering, get this now because this is going to be important, which is for himself and make atonement for himself. So you have this sin offering. In verse 12, he brought the sweet incense. And then in verse 14, the blood of the bull and sprinkle it with his finger on the mercy seat. Verse 15, and to kill the goat, the sin offering, which is for the people. So in verse 11, he's offering sacrifice for himself. In verse 15, he's offering sacrifice of blood for the people. He would go into the tabernacle into the second apartment or room of the tabernacle, the most holy place, but only once a year. And there he would offer these these different parts of atonement or the things necessary for atonement before God. He would do it every year. Only he was permitted. And the Jews speculate that maybe he would come in and out four different times during this process, all on the same day and only on that day and only him. He was the high priest. He was human, but he was the high priest. All right. Now, that's the first thing I want you to hold on to. Let's just set that aside for a minute. And uh, so don't think about that. I'll come back to that. Now, I want you to go to Genesis chapter 14. Genesis 14. All right. Now, this is about Abraham and Lot. Remember, Lot is his nephew. And their herdsmen are having conflict, the livestock, caring for the livestock. And Abraham says, this doesn't make any sense. Maybe guys, we got plenty of land here. Why don't we just divide up? I tell you what, you, you pick which, which part of the land you want. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left or vice versa. What do you pick? And you remember that Lot pitched his tent towards Sodom. He looked at the plains of Jordan. Wow, that's beautiful. That's rich land. I picked that. But it meant moving close to Sodom. Now, that was a bad decision. Oh, the land was very good, but the decision was bad. And Lot, as you know, is going to pay for it grievously in his life. But there comes a time when Lot moves to Sodom and he's there and there's an attack of a series of Canaanite kings on Sodom and they, they sack it and they, they kidnap Lot and carry him and his possessions and a lot of other people and possessions away. One of the people who was kidnapped escaped, who was a friend of Abraham. Now remember, Abraham is the uncle of Lot and said, here's what's happened to Lot. And Abraham said, we better go get the boy. And so he gets together his trained servants, 
I assume that it means those who are militarily trained, and there are 318 of them. And they went to fetch Lot, went as far as Dan, and they caught up with the scoundrels, and they, they taught them what for. And they got Lot and other people and all those possessions, and they hauled them back home again. On the way back home, they encountered a couple of men. This becomes important. One was the king of Sodom, and he, he was just so obviously grateful. The other one was a man by the name of Melchizedek. Now, I'm in chapter 14 of Genesis and verse 18. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God most high. Now, don't get that confused with the Levitical priesthood. That doesn't exist yet, of course. This is prior to that. But he's, he's the priest of God most high. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham, Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he, now that pronoun may be a little confusing, gave him tithe of all. But we know from other passages that the he here is Abraham. Abraham paid tithes to this priest of the Most High God whose name is Melchizedek. That's going to be very significant. All right, so you have these two things that we've talked about now. The Levitical priesthood, the high priest, the way a man becomes high priest is because his daddy was the high priest before him and he's the eldest son. So he, you know, so it's a succession. That's how they did it. And then you have this business in Genesis 14 about Abraham coming back from saving uh, Lot's bacon, and, and when he comes back, he encounters Melchizedek. Melchizedek pays tithes, or rather Abraham pays tithes to Melchizedek. Now let's go to the book of Hebrews. You find a half a dozen, yeah, a handful of references in Hebrews to Melchizedek, enough that you know this is, this is serious business. And what he wants to do is illustrate. So you have these... these um, these people of Jewish background, of Hebrew background, to whom he's writing. And he says, now look, I know you're struggling with this. And they're scratching their heads. They're saying, so now wait a minute. You're saying that this Jesus Christ is our high priest. I don't see how that's even possible. How can that be biblical? I mean, after all, the only high priests are from the, the, the tribe of Levi. Jesus was not from the tribe of Levi. He was from the tribe of Judah. How can this be right? The answer to the question was, he's a priest after the order of Melchizedek. Who was priest to the Most High God and to whom Abraham paid a tithe? All right, now, I'm in chapter 5 of Hebrews, verse 10. Well, let's start in verse 9. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him, called by God as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. And now we go down to chapter 6, and I want, you to, I want you to drop down to verse 19. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters into that behind the curtain, where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. All right, this is important. How can Jesus be our high priest if he's not from 
the tribe of Levi. How can that even be? He's from the tribe of Judah. This has got to be wrong. Now chapter 7, beginning in verse 1. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being translated king of righteousness and then also king of Salem, that is king of peace, without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, remains a priest continually. Now, there are three things I want you to know about Melchizedek from these verses. Let's put up the slide. The first one is, the Bible says here he doesn't have any parents. He doesn't have a mother or father. That's very strange. Now, hold on a minute. Hold on. It doesn't mean that he literally doesn't have a mother or father. It's that that historically we don't know a thing about this. Who is his daddy? Nobody knows. Nobody who, who drew breath then knew. What you know is that God said he's a priest to the Most High God. What you know is that Abraham paid tithes to him, but you don't know who his parents are. Now, why would that matter? And, and the fact is, he didn't become a priest like, like the, the system in Israel. He didn't become a priest because he, he was the eldest son of his father, and his father was the high priest. That's how you got the position. But that's not true about Melchizedek, and yet the people know that he's high priest. They, they understand that God made him that. So the first thing I want you to know about Melchizedek is that we don't know one thing about his parents, his mother or father, without genealogy. Now, here's the second thing I want you to know about Melchizedek. Having neither beginning of days, now I'm in Hebrews 7, verse 3, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, he remains a priest continually. I'll tell you something else you don't know about him. You don't know his birthday, and you don't know where his tombstone is. Why is that important? Because so far as history is concerned, those Israelites, those Hebrews, didn't know one thing about this priest of the Most High God, about his parents, or when he died. Now, so far as I know, he really is a human being. We don't know who he is. Except that we know he's an illustration to help the Israelites, these Hebrew people, during the time that this Hebrews letter is written, to help them understand how Jesus can be our high priest and not be according to the law of Moses. He's not of the tribe of Levi. What else? What else do you know about Jesus? He's not going to have an end. There will be no end to him. You want to know what he's saying is that Jesus is a priest according to the order of Melchizedek, like Melchizedek's kind of a simile. Like Melchizedek was a high priest, Jesus is a high priest. What's that? Jesus didn't become high priest because of his parentage. Jesus didn't become high priest in an abbreviated way because his life was going to end. He lives forever. Keep reading. Now consider how great this man was to whom even the patriarch Abraham gave a tenth of the spoils. Now it gets very interesting. How important was Melchizedek? How big a character is he? Abraham paid tithes to him. And indeed, those who are the sons of Levi who received the priesthood have a commandment to receive tithes from the people. The people of Israel paid tithes to those Levite priests according to the law that is from their brethren, 
though they have come from the body of Abraham, all those Hebrews are descendants of Abraham, right? So look up at a family tree and put Abraham here and beneath him on this family tree are all the Hebrews. But he whose genealogy is not deprived or derived rather from them received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. Abraham is important. The promises through Abraham, through, through your seed, all nations of the earth are going to be blessed. And people revered Abraham, of course. They revered Abraham and loved the fact that they, that they would have Abraham's blood pumping in their veins. People paid tithes to the Levites. And the Levites, descendants of Abraham, but Abraham paid tithes to this, this man Melchizedek. Verse 6. But he whose genealogy is not derived from them received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promise. And beyond all contradiction, the lesser is blessed by the better. And here, mortal men receive tithes, but there he receives them, of whom it is witness that he lives. And even Levi, who receives tithes, paid tithes through Abraham. And it's kind of parenthetical, so to speak. Right, here's, here's the point, is that Levi, when Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek in this thing about Lot, Levi hadn't been born yet, but he was in the loins of Abraham. And so, so to speak, the writer says, it's as if Levi himself and all the Levitical priesthood paid tithes to to, uh, Melchizedek because they were in the loins of Abraham and Abraham paid tithes to him. I'm telling you that Melchizedek is the priest of the Most High God and none of the Hebrews could disagree with that. That's what, that's what Genesis says. None of them could disagree with that. They knew that. But they don't know one thing about him. They don't know his parentage. Was he of the tribe of Levi? Well, of course not. That hadn't existed yet. What about his parents? Mm-mm. When did he die? How long did he live? Not a one of them could say because that wasn't in the history. It didn't exist. And Jesus is a priest according to that, to the, to the order of Melchizedek. It's an illustration. It's to help them see how that Jesus is unique. He is unique in making atonement for the people, for all the people of the world as high priest. Now, there are four things I want you to know about Jesus. Next slide. Here we go. Come on down now to verse 20 of Hebrews 7. And inasmuch as he was not made priest without an oath, that seems, uh, I don't know, is there a double negative in there? But anyway... He was not made priest without an oath. And the point is that the way you became a high priest in the Levitical system, the Hebrew system, the Old Testament law, the the way you became a priest was that you were in the the seed line of of Aaron. You, You came down Eliezer, and then if you were the firstborn son, you would become the high priest. Presumably, you would succeed your father in that. So there wasn't an oath from God. It wasn't as if God would announce every time. Maybe with some white smoke, you know, announced, this is the high, this is the new high priest. That's not how that happened. The oath here is God speaking. So Jesus is high priest, but without an oath. Verse 20, inasmuch as he was not made priest without an oath, for they have become priests without an oath. But he, Jesus, with an oath by him who said to him, the Lord has sworn and will not change. This is from Psalm 110 and verse 4. In the margin of your Bible, you need to write that because this is a quote from there. Psalm 110 verse 4. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. 
you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. By so much, Jesus has become a surety of a better covenant. We have it better than the people did who were under the law of Moses. So the first thing I want you to know about Jesus is that he was made He was made a priest, the high priest, but not like those Levitical priests without an oath. This came directly from heaven. It came directly from God, all right? And that's in Psalm 110 and verse 4. Now verse 23. Here's the second thing I want you to get. And there were many priests because they were prevented by death from continuing. Got that? How long could a priest serve till he died? Some of them didn't live very long. What you know is that if you don't like one of the high priests, kind of like a president of the United States, you, you know that he's not going to be president forever, and a high priest isn't going to serve forever. They were prevented by death from continuing. But he, Jesus, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. The second thing I want you to know about Jesus is that he never dies. I mean by that he is an eternal being, and he will always live and is seated right now, Colossians 3, 1, on the right hand of God. Here's the third thing about Jesus, verse 25. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God by him, seeing he ever lives to make intercession for them. He saves to the uttermost. I think that's a very interesting phrase. Being, uh, what do you, why, why would you use a phrase like that? What does it mean? It means... It means he, he can absolutely do this. He can forgive you of your sins and carry you to heaven. He saves you to the, when the Lord saves you, he truly saves you. It's to make you believe it. It's make, make you grasp it. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 4, I love this turn. It's a similar kind of phraseology. It, it says that mortality is swallowed up by life. It's about you, you know. Your mortality is swallowed up. You say, well, I'm a little nervous about leaving this world for the next, and I've never seen the next, and I'm a little nervous about that. Oh, hold on a minute. Your mortality, the things of this life that are characteristic of being a human being, a mortal, will be swallowed up. I always picture one of those fishing videos. I don't watch fishing videos, but I've seen them before. And so you you know this little fish, and you have this largemouth bass, and he is huge, and he just comes and envelops that That's how it's going to be, mortality swallowed up of life. The point is that Jesus never dies and that he can save us to the uttermost. Here's the fourth thing I want you to know about Jesus as our high priest. 26, for such a high priest was fitting for us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens, who does not need daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifices, first for his own sins and then for the people's. We read that in Leviticus 16, remember? That Aaron had to offer for himself first and then for the people's sins. Jesus doesn't have to do that because he's perfect. Jesus never had to do that. He'll never have to offer sacrifice for his own sins. Talk about better first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints as high priests men who have weakness. But the word of the oath which came after the law appoints the son who has been perfected forever. 
Now, this is the main point of the things we are saying. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, in the heavens. There you have it. So this, this strange terminology in the book of Hebrews about this main man with this unusual name, Melchizedek. And it says he has no father and no mother, no, no birth and no death. And you read about that and you say, this seems very impossible. How can this, how can this be? And the answer is, it's in reference to, to the historic record that we have. And that the, the Hebrews, these, these people of the first century with Jewish background, they didn't know. They didn't know anything about Melchizedek, but they believed the book of Genesis, part of the Pentateuch. And they knew that this man, Melchizedek, was priest to the Most High God. And that Abraham, blessed Abraham, paid tithes to him. How about that? Melchizedek blessed Abraham, the greater blesses the lesser. And the lesser, who is Abraham, paid tithes to the greater, that's Melchizedek. Could, could no one d- deny that? Everybody understood that. How can Jesus then be our high priest when he doesn't match up with the old law? And the answer is, he's a priest after the order of Melchizedek. Let me tell you something. You, you and I have our hope tonight. We're in this worship assembly, worshiping our Father through our high priest. He is our high priest. And he made atonement once and for all. And, and when we obeyed the gospel, we accessed that blood and appropriated that blood to our own souls, and we have forgiveness. And the word for that is atonement, atonement. I'm so glad that you're here tonight, and I, I hope that you have a wonderful week at work or at home or at school or whatever you're involved in. Remember who you are, and I know that you're going to let the light of Christ shine to those people with whom you come in contact. I wonder if there's somebody here tonight who is ready to obey the gospel. You've heard the word. You believe that Jesus really is the Son of God. He is the high priest once and for all. And you're ready to repent of your sins and confess him and be baptized. And we'd be just delighted to help you. If you need the prayers of the Christians, now is a fine time. We hope you have enjoyed this lesson from God's Word, brought to us by Glenn Colley. If you have comments or questions, Glenn can be reached by email at collie at westhuntsville.org.